When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Ah, hello, it's Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to very special guests about their paranormal history and stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan, and with me always is your other host. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hi, Bryce Johnson. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Not it's much. spring again. I know. Everybody knows it's spring again. <laughs> that was Happy uh, spring equinox. Oh, is it spring equinox? Yeah. I mean, it was yesterday. Wow. We're, we're in, the, in the week of, of the equinox. I should um, know that stuff. And this is our first show that we've recorded uh, on the road. I guess this isn't our clubhouse. Yeah, we're in no. a, we're in a different clubhouse belonging to today's guest, Craig Ferguson. Craig, welcome to my clubhouse. Ooh, <laughs> yours is very welcome good. to my clubhouse. I know a ghost story too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pete Gardner's oh, yeah. got some competition. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Pete Gardner? No. Oh, he's on uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's a very funny man. Well, I probably do. Who does he play on He plays Daryl Whitefeather, the boss. Uh, yes, the, I, of the course do yeah, who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, he's a great guy. Very, very talented Classic man. improvisationer. Mm-hmm. I always say improvisationalist. I, why do I say improvisationer? That's wrong. Because you're pretentious. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it you is. have to say it that way. I mean, that's the one thing, if everybody knows... <laughs> about me is that I am a pretentious Bigfoot podcast host. You are. What could be more pretentious than being the host of a show about the paranormal? Yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. It does yeah. come with the territory of douchebaggery. You sort of have to navigate Well, it's around. a little like being a magician. You know, yes. like, I, I like to see a bit of magic from time to time, but the kind of the velvet jackets and the arm flurriness <laughs> and the chicken down the pants. You don't like my yeah. jacket? I'm yeah. just saying, you know, to, to turn up to somebody else's house in a smoking jacket <laughs> with gray stuff put in the sides of your <laughs> hair to make you yeah, look more distinguished. I had Riley painting my temples before we came in <laughs> just to true. really sell it. Welcome. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Uh, we Riley and I were actually in an event this weekend recording stuff on the road, and we were coming up to strangers and I was trying to explain to them who I was and what the show is. And as soon as I said the word Bigfoot, you could just see people shut down. So I'm like, I guess we'll just start calling it the BCC podcast when we're... Out on the field. Well, but. you could say it's ironic. Then, then hipsters would be like, "Oh, I am so totally in." Oh, these guys were not hipsters. Oh. They were war reenactors, and they did not want to monkey around at all. I was quite well, serious. Well, clearly, they did want to monkey around because what is reenacting? That's if it's what not I monkeying thought. around. That was my whole point. No, they're very protective of their image. Yeah, we're the ludicrous ones. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's just, we're starting a feud now with war reenactors. <laughs> yeah, shots, I don't know. Shots, p- pick blank, some other type of guys blank, to be in blank trouble shots with. fired. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> they like, have a lot of practice. In the Bigfoot community, Like, if, if you're like at a conference and someone starts mentioning UFOs, they're like, oh, God, here we go again. And you're like... 
You can believe in Bigfoot, but you can't like couple them together. It's. Uh, Do you know what happened to me once? It's I, and it, it was I was so horrified by. It. I was watching a documentary on television. I might have told you about this, Michael. Uh uh-uh. uh I was watching a documentary about UFO people, and and it was quite a touching documentary. It was about. You know, people have made fools of us for years, and but I know what I saw, and I know what happened to me. And I was like, God, you know, who am I to say these people are wrong? It is what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, as an illustration of how awful and cruel people can be to these people, there was me on a late night show, on the old late night show, making jokes about people <laughs> who believed in UFOs. And I was, the, I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> That's like cosmic irony yeah. personified. Yeah. Well, you also fell into the trap of what we always do. Every time we uh, uh, project on somebody else's voice, it always seems to come out a little hillbilly. I saw UFO too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do that. Well, well I do that because it's one of the few voices I can sort of get away with doing. It's either that or uh, Nazi, and that's just confusing. <laughs> so, yes, I know what I saw, and the UFO it arrived. A, it was yes. a bell UFO. Yeah. The, the Nazis had some experiments with uh, with UFOs. They yes, they did. did. Yes, well, they had, Bell? well, they had experiments Bell, right? with in the occult, for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have all saw the Indiana Jones documentaries. We know how that went down. Well, I think it's worse than that. Probably. <laughs> but... You know, it's funny. We were talking. I was telling this story the other night to our producer, Riley, who's sitting here. Uh, I was talking about listening to another paranormal podcast where <gasps> the guest was Wait, on. There's more, there's more than one? <laughs> no, there's just this there one. There can be only yeah, one. There can be only one. There can be one paranormal podcast. <laughs> not sure. It's nice Scottish flavor for <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, you were listening to the other one. No, we were listening, and, and there was a woman on who was talking about how she believed to have the ability to shapeshift, and the, the the way she told the story was very, very compelling. It was very subtle. It wasn't necessarily like, and now I'm a tiger, and now I'm a mongoose. It was It was more subtle than that, and I was getting wrapped into it, and right when I was like, you know what? I think I believe this. She was like... <laughs> And you know the earth is flat. And I was like, all right, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. You can only go but too wait, far. Yeah. But wait, Mr. Okay. I'm not saying that yeah. the earth is flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just because. Shut it down. Because, yeah, everybody go home. <laughs> no, I, I, but what I'm, if someone is wrong about one thing. Yes. Does it make them wrong about everything? No. And that is an excellent point, And I caught myself in that as well. And and that's the thing is I think we, when we talk about a lot of these uh, eyewitness accounts and the things that we dig in onto the show is like just because there's one hoaxed photo of Bigfoot doesn't mean all the photos of Bigfoot are hoaxed. And it's kind of that same thing where it's like, okay, well, they can be right and weird. One weird thing can exist. It doesn't mean that all weird things exist. And because one weird thing doesn't exist, it doesn't mean that all the other weird stuff don't exist. Yeah, exactly so. And I think as we've been going on the show, Bryce, you tell me how you feel. I think it really is the more we dig into this stuff, it's just a sliding scale. There's like a little of column A, a little from column B, a little from column C. And uh, for example, there is a theory that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature, that it is just a, a zoological animal that that scientists have not been able to pin down and... and uh, and capture or identify yet. Sure, sort of a missing link still roaming the woods. Or there are theories that Bigfoot slips in from other dimensions and is more of a spiritual or ethereal creature. Mm. And 
my I'm coming around to the belief that maybe there's both. Maybe there is a flesh and blood creature that lives out in the woods, and maybe there's one that looks like it that slips in and out of other dimensions. Well, I don't know. I may, put, or maybe the one that's flesh and blood can slip through the dimension. Exactly. Well, that's like, the yeah. middle, that's yes. the middle ground. Like crows do all the time. Well, yeah. and we want to hear about this story. Absolutely. I'll okay, so that. what's your par- personal paranormal history? Well, I, I've, look, I, I'm from Scotland, so I hope you, we need more time because it's a very busy place. we got for, all the time you need. No, no, you don't, actually. That's, <laughs> that's one of the things I have to tell you about, oh, no. that I have the second sight, and uh, you better get this done. Quick. Oh, shit. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it's brother. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, tidy up your affairs. <laughs> no, I, I, no, no, no. Um, I, uh, I was driving. This is a recent one, but there's plenty of these. I was driving to uh, my kid's school with uh, my wife, Megan. Uh, actually, it was the oldest boy because I think she was still pregnant with the young. Anyway, that's not really a big part of the story, but we're driving to the school. And it was a gray day in Los Angeles. And we stopped at a traffic light in Hollywood near the the old, uh, not the Roosevelt Hotel, but some other old hotel. Mm-hmm. An old, and I was at the traffic light just waiting. A crow just went <laughs> out of nowhere and became right in front of the car. Like it didn't, I, I, I'm not an idiot. I'm not given to find, I know what I saw. And the crow just... Wait, go back, take that again and say, I know what I saw, I'm not I, I, an idiot. I, I'm not an idiot, <laughs> and I know what I saw. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's under no... It, it was absolutely it was for crow. sure. It was a crow. It was wearing the black of the Waffen-SS <laughs> uniform. And, and it, it appeared right out. In, and, I, and I turned to Megan and I went, did you see that? And she went, Yeah. That's the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. So this crow just popped into existence. Pop, popped in from somewhere else. And did it fly off? Did it it, fly, it It came into being and then kind of flapped away. It was a flesh and blood creature, I think. I mean, yeah. I didn't go up and touch it. Yeah. But, uh, but You don't think it was a ghost crow? No, I don't think it was a ghost crow. Ghost crows behave completely differently, as you know. Okay. But, the, the, but no, it just behaved like a crow. Let me get, hold on. I got my uh, research binder yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. No, it, I mean, that was that was the one that you and I started talking about yeah. when I was talking to you. Yeah. You tell me about this podcast. Yep. I yep. said, oh, yeah, there's that. Did I ever tell you about the house in Scotland with the crows as well? No. So we have this house in Scotland. Megan and I have a house in Scotland, and, it, and it's, it's really our home. And we bought it about seven or eight years ago. And it's a very old house. It was built in the uh, 1680s, but actually it was oh, built. So fixer-upper. Right. It was built in the 1680s, but it actually pre- the stones go all the way. I mean, there was stuff in there before. Oh yeah, it's the place where it is. the The actual site of the house is mentioned on Ptolemy's first map of Europe in the second century. Oh wow, wow! So it's a very, very old place. And about the second or third day, we were actually there. Uh, Megan walked outside and there was something that looked like a dead crow down by the oldest tree on in the garden. The tree is a horse chestnut. It's, it predates the house. It's about a 500-year-old tree. So she went down to the horse chestnut and there was a crow there. And it, it, was, it was alive, but it wasn't flying. And, and uh, she went, oh. Um, so she, we, she picked it up. And brought it indoors. It seemed it was sick. So we put it underneath the stairs and gave it some water and some food and uh, checked on it throughout the rest of the day and the night. And in the morning, it was gone. That's wild. 
Now were there open no, windows? No, we did or? let it out. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> we, we, let, we let the crew out. We let the crew out in the morning. I, I could have spiced it. You <laughs> opened a portal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just let the, no, no, let the crow here, fly through. But here's through. the thing. We, we let it in the morning. We thought, we'll take it outside and see if there's any better. We took it yeah. outside, and it was fine, and it flew away. Yeah. But the uh, crows now, oh, because crows are facial recognition. I mean, that's, that's right. right. So the crows now come to the house. They don't come for food, but they, they hang around now around the house. Maybe it's your spirit animal, perhaps. Well, here's the other part of this. Because mm-hmm. years and years and years before, I did an archaeology program for uh, Scottish television. I think you told me a little bit about this, yeah. but not too much. So I was doing this show for Scottish television, uh, and I was on uh, the island of Iona, which is uh, on the the west coast of Scotland. very, very old place. Um and we were in the graveyard. The King Macbeth is buried there. All the old Scottish kings are buried there. There's an abbey there. It's a very, you know, it's, I think Columba brought Christianity to the British Isles through that route in the 7th century. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and before that, it was still, you know, so popular and other stuff. So it's, it's, an, it's an old, old place. And I was in the graveyard and I had some uh, bones in a suitcase, human bones, on loan from a, a, a museum in Edinburgh. And, okay. <laughs> and I, because I was going to do a thing, like we were yeah. looking at a thing of the soil and the bones. Hey, uh, before we go, I, I yeah. know we're on the uh, guys, we have to get up there, but uh, can we just swing by the museum? I got a bag of bones. I need to yeah, pick yeah. Up. <laughs> Let's just stop. Get the bones. They've got, I've got a suitcase. We'll just put them in. They said they're, they're waiting out front for me, so it'll yeah. take me two minutes to run up and grab them. They're very, very old human bones. And it was to talk about, I think it was to talk about the effect of the soil and the bones. I can't really remember why we had the bones, but we had the bones. Not important. Fighting off dogs. That's what we tell the, the police. I don't know. Why I have these bones? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He just he fell into the suitcase and decomposed, officer. Who doesn't have some bones? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have bones. <laughs> I couldn't be me. I'm a vegan. <laughs> but the uh, so we've got these human bones in the suitcase, and as I was, you know, we're waiting for the guys to set up and do some shooting. Uh, this old uh, Native American lady from America came over to me and said, "You have raven magic." Oh, my gosh. And I said, nah, it's just some bones in a suitcase. And she went, no, 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 no. That's just bones. You, you have raven magic. Wow. And then I was like, well, thank you very much indeed, crazy person. And I bid you good day. <laughs> but then when I thought, what's that Native American woman doing in an old graveyard? I it's hope called... he didn't call and it a crazy person to her face no, no, because that not. will haunt you for no, the no, rest no, no. of your day. I thought she was crazy, but very quickly I realized that uh, that, that kind of description of people is not helpful. <laughs> and it really, yeah. I really mean that. No, I, mean, I, I really mean that. Talk, calling people crazy is not helpful. No. There's actually no, I mean, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yes, I, I agree with you. It's, 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 uh, when you really start to unpack everything, I'm not sure if anyone is just simply crazy. No, I'm, and I'm not sure if, if anyone's just simply sane. No, either. that is very true. And and so that you know, the, you only have to look at how everything is one is is run on a secular level to think these people are no smarter than people who believe in. Look, it's sky fairies or yep. Santa on a cloud yep. or you know, I mean, it's it's all. Or does Santa ride a cloud in sure, Scotland? Sure, sure. In okay. my religion, he does. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, well, you harsh in my religion. You're, yeah, <laughs> no, I see what you're doing. It's your religion, you're right? Craig. Exactly. How dare you? <laughs> Well, we have a we have a question uh, on this show where we ask after usually our stories of high strangeness, which we'll get to later. But we ask our guests, "What the hell was that?" And in the case of this raven or this crow, 
what the hell is that? Like, what do you? Th- how does this all add up? What do you think? That, how this all connects? Because I hear you have Raven magic, and then there are crows uh, apparating out of nowhere in front of you. She might be onto something. I well, think so well, may- maybe it is. Here's what I think. I think that um, I don't know how I get through life. Mm-hmm. Right? This is genuinely honest truth. The hardest question I ever, not the hardest question, but a question I dread whenever I get a form and it says occupation. And I have no idea what to put. The comedian, well, I sort of do that. And writer, and I sort of do that. But I'm, you know, the actor, well, I've done it, you know. And then did you, I don't know what to put. I can totally relate. So, do, so, but if you write Raven Magic, people just think you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you should just put Raven Magic, Raven Magic. Down, <laughs> down forever. I bet you, if you did that, the universe yeah. would just open itself up to yeah. you. <laughs> but what like... I think, what I think is this: I think you can either, you know, look, you can either sand with the grain or against the grain. Mm-hmm. You can either, you know, stroke the cat or irritate the shit out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you either, you know, you can either move in the flow of the great universe. Or you can uh, pretend that you, or you can swim upstream if you want, I guess. Um, It's just, uh, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophies. Yes, right. And and I think when you open yourself up to that being the case, it is a level of humility, which a lot of people who are uh, sure of what they think could use. For example, any time... Uh, I've run into villains, and I mean real villains, like you know the Riddler, uh, the Joker, exactly, or even Doctor Octopus. Do- well, I call him Doctor Puss, and I know that people don't <laughs> like that, but I do it because they don't like it. You know, you just like you said, you don't have a lot of time. You just got to be economical well, with your language, and, and also Alfred Molina is a friend of mine, and he played Doctor <laughs> yeah, Octopus. Yeah, he's great. But I call him Doctor Puss, and he gets very upset. <laughs> Because he threw himself wholeheartedly into the role as Dr. Octopus, and, and here's me trashing it by calling him a doctopus. He said, doctopus sounds like, it sounds like H.R. Puffin stuff yeah. or something. I'm like, yes, that, and that's what it was like. Dr. Puss also sounds like a cat that got a medical license. Yeah, yeah. Or, a kid's book or something. Uh, well, it does sound like a, yeah, a doctopus. <laughs> Dr. <Puss> even. <laughs> um, what I think, though, is that... Um, when you run into villains. When I run into bad people. Mm-hmm. Like really bad people, they're always sure. Fundamentalists are always sure. Yeah, you know, religious fundamentalists, political fundamentalists. Uh, every, and I, I think if your mind is not open, then it's shut. Yeah. So fuck you if your mind is shut. Uh, and 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 that's kind of how I've I've always, you know, it's not how I've always been. I've been a lot of my life. My mind was closed. Yeah. And I I think if it. Uh, I don't understand why people close themselves off to to mystery to uh, to the questions because you know it's there's so much out there to like uh, to inspire like you know um, a sense of mystery or a sense of like something maybe hi- not higher but something outside of ourselves that's uh, definitely taking an interest on what's happening you know here on Earth you know when you- well it was one of the Descartian proofs of God right mm-hmm. which was every society on Earth has an appetite. Uh, creates a deity, right? Every yeah. society that has ever been has always created a deity. The reason why societies do that is because they have an appetite for that. Mm-hmm. Because in nature, every appetite has a satiation. For lust, there is sex. For you know, hunger, there is food. For water, there is right. So the the idea that that, ev- that humans have an appetite 
for mystery would imply that there is that. Or spirituality. Right, or, spirituality yeah. is really what Same it is. Or, or in, in, you know, in the terms that we're talking about God. But yeah, it was, and, it, the law, and understanding the laws of governance in nature, too. Like, for example, this is how ravens behave. This is how they eat. There must be some... Thing that the 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 most uh, essence of raven governing these behaviors in nature, right? So therefore, there is a raven god, there is a tree god, there is some sort of universal. There are laws that bind how these even that tree has a spirit. Behave, perhaps, yeah. You know, by well, place, but what I know? what I tend to think is this: all, all the problem with all of this really goes back to uh, the inventing of the printing press. Uh, once the peasants were taught how to read, everything turned to shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think what we have to do is stop teaching people uh, to read and just listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we now, make you, America speaking great of gods, again. are you familiar? Are you into? And I'm complete layman on the subject for the most part. But are you into Norse mythology at all? I know a tiny bit about well, it, but probably just the, well because know. when you were talking about raven magic and the crows, it brought Odin to mind, who is the Zeus of the Norse mythology. Okay. And he had, I believe, two ravens sit on each one of his shoulders, and he is the the Odin tree is part of it. So there was some imagery from Norse mythology that kind of came up intrinsically in your story. And I thought maybe, well, dig in. You might want to chase that rabbit and see if there's. I mean, just some from like hearing that. your story as an outsider, it's pretty easy for me to connect the dots when you tell me that uh, you know there was a Native American woman who tells you that you uh, you have raven magic, and then. And then you tell me that there's another incident where you, you picked up a raven, t- took it to your house and took care of it and it was gone. And then there's another point where you're saying, hey, one just appeared out of nowhere. I'm, I mean, I don't have to be, a, a, you know, someone with great intelligence to say, hey, maybe there's something there, you know. Well, maybe. I don't disagree with you. Uh, hence, uh, yeah. this uh, marker on my arm. I have yeah. a giant raven tattoo across my elbow. Now, is uh, there any... And the uh, tree next to it. It's beautiful, by the way. That tree is... <clears throat> that's, a, that's a different thing entirely. That's mm. from... Is the, that a sequoia? It is. It is. A, it is. But it is part of the Glasgow coat of arms. But oh. it's been adapted. The Glasgow coat of arms has a little rhyme that goes with it. It's a tree and a bird and a bell and a fish. And the little rhyme is, here is the tree that never grew. Here is the bird that never flew. Here is the bell that never rang. Here is the fish that never swam. I have no idea what it means. It's but it is. Though. But it is. <clears throat> Uh, it dates back to Kentigern, who was the, uh, the the who became Mungu, who's the saint of Glasgow. It's all a very long time ago. Now, on a yeah. personal level, do you think that you um, that you relate to the Raven, or that you might share certain qualities of uh, of the Raven? Or? I like them, and yeah. I, I like them. I also have facial recognition. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> well, there you go. And, and uh, he can fly, and his ability to pop in and I, out of existence. I like them, and I I can't express you know look i'm not i don't have ravens i don't collect them i don't collect raven things i don't have little pictures of ravens except for a giant tattoo in my arm Mm -hmm. but what i do do is i as i have a feeling about them which i cannot put into words for you yeah and i'm pretty good with words i I, it's kind of how i I, i've earned my living i mean there's very little evidence of that on this podcast right okay but 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 what i'm saying sure but what i'm saying is there, I I feel comforted by their presence. Yeah, and when I see them around, I think, yeah, all right, uh, good. There's some ravens around, and sometimes, a lot of the times, when I see them in in places where people go, wow, that's weird. I've never seen a raven here before, and that's happened to me a lot. Um, that mm. uh, that I I feel like, oh, good. 
Things are going my way. Yeah. I that's mean, the synchronicity of it, right? Yeah. The, the, There's can... a lot of animals out there, and, and probably none come with more mythos than the raven. I mean, so you're in the top upper echelon of spirit animals, I think. So well, that's, that's I, I, maybe good. that's maybe what, that's what <laughs> I, I mean. Some people, I, I, I mean, better a raven than a slug. Well, I think mine's a squirrel, so yeah, it's better than the better <laughs> squirrel, than Squirrel, yeah. red or gray? Uh, just a brown common tree squirrel. All right. Yeah, yeah. and that's a whole other story, yeah, too. Aim higher, man. Mine's a dumpster, <laughs> dumpster squirrel. <laughs> a dumpster squirrel. Yeah. So, uh, real quick before we move on, I want to I want your take on this. I'm I'm I've been thinking about this raven that popped out of nowhere. Do you think, based on just your gut instinct, instinct was that a raven that teleported from a different place on this planet, right? Or was it a raven that was immediately brought into existence by some higher programmer? I got even better than either Great. one of those. Great. I think it's none of my business. Yeah. Okay. I think I saw something yeah. that probably wasn't anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And and so what that all post enlightenment thought is that science is the, the further the, the pursuit of knowledge. That that humans should always pursue knowledge. That you know more knowledge is more power is more medicine is more is more help is better for the human race. And I think all of those things are you know fundamentally true. Except look what happens. Yeah. You know that you create uh, you know the knowledge that you use to uh, to split an atom and fuel a, a town. You can always split an atom and destroy a town. Yeah. So. There are certain pieces of knowledge, not that I think are taboo, I just think they're none of your business. Well, yeah, and you know, from what I've read (laughs) in too, there seems to be a commonality of that, like, whenever you're searching this stuff out, there's always this kind of underlying thing that don't be too eager, you know? Um, Know your limits, don't don't keep asking, you know, um, questions that... uh, Well, you tend to, I think what happens is if you're like that, if if one is like that, you tend to frame it the way you want it to be. Mm So I, you know, if you offer me is a crow coming from somewhere else, or a, or or, a, or is a crow coming from another dimension or another time, you limit my options. Mm. What what I could say is I have no idea what it was, but I trust myself, and probably more than me, I trust my wife. Uh, and she's like, no, I exactly saw exactly that. Well, those are our favorite cases when yeah. you get corroborated witnesses. I mean, especially like even like young children, like seven or eight of them seeing the same thing or a UFO or something coming out of a UFO. I mean, when you have We've had m- lots of stories like that. Yeah, that's right. Show. People so coming out of UFOs. Yeah. yeah. You know, so when you get a dozen people verifying the same thing with their yeah. senses, I mean, it's hard to like just. Toss that up to fodder, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, especially now, the whole idea is that if a bunch of people get together and say something, then it's true. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, that's why Twitter exists. If enough, <laughs> if enough people say something is true, it is it's true. It's true. Now, I don't uh, subscribe to that. Yeah. I, I don't subscribe that if enough people say it's true, it's true. But, but what I do, uh, you know, I do like the idea of having a mind which is open. Open enough that anything can crawl in there. Yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a dangerous place to be. Can be. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people shut their minds off. Sure, it's they're scared and they're yeah. scared of new ideas coming in like a virus and changing the way that they think. And also and challenging well, their it belief system. It makes sense as well because some of the things that might crawl right could be very bad for yeah. you. Yeah. For sure. You and know, you, I mean, that's why you have to use judgment to figure out what those things are and right. well, you know, what pe- aren't. And a lot of people we can see are don't have that ability and or people are that also ability afraid of their own, uh, their own sanity too. You know, they, they feel like, hey, if this... If this fucks with my paradigm, 
then, you know, what does that do to my my philosophy? What does that do to my ideology? You know, and yes. A lot of these, uh, you know, uh, cases of paranormal thing, whether they're abduction or somebody seeing a Bigfoot, you know, you'll see a lot of examples of it. It really messes with their whole kind of um, their life ethos, you know, and it really throws them into turmoil. A lot of these a lot of these people that witness some of this stuff. Well, I think that security, you know, that's why people are I think. Look, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that the, uh, when people are attracted to dogmatic religions that tell them, you know, here's a set of... I thought you were going to say when people are attracted to dogs. Well, there Dog is... Man. But when people are attracted to dogs, <laughs> that's, all, that's, a, that's a different website. But, the, uh, and, but what I've seen... Yeah. That <laughs> the, uh, when, when people are attracted to dogma, yeah. mm-hmm. it provides them with answers to the unanswerable. And... and if you, the very the very nature of the pure scientific thought, the Big Bang theory, the universe is expanding, and because the universe is expanding, if you run that in reverse, it must have collapsed. It contracts, and it contracts to the beginning, and that's the Big Bang theory, right? Yeah, okay, sure. so that makes perfect sense. But it only makes perfect sense from where we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, observation points are very difficult to to categorize. I'll tell you what I mean. If you're standing on a beach and there's an island 10 miles out to sea and someone is standing, you know, 15 miles up the coast looking at that same island, that island's going to look completely different to them. It's you. The island is the same. And that second person might have you in their perspective looking at the island. Right. So you can't see the observer observing you observing. Right. And their eyesight may be better or maybe worse. I mean, there may be atmospheric (laughs) conditions between you and the island. There could be a a ship in the way. I don't know. But, But what there is is that wherever you stand, things are different. In your life, Mm-hmm. In time. So if, for example, if I decide all my experience is untrustworthy, but all the experience of great minds and great books are trustworthy, I feel I negate my existence entirely. You absolutely do. You know, like my experience is my experience. Now, I do reserve the right to make fun of people because it's my job, mm-hmm. but but it's not always my job. And and now I feel bad about making fun of the UFO people. But, and I wasn't really making fun of yeah. them. I was kind of like... Having fun with the have, UFO it's, people. It's a little bit of fun. Yeah. It's you not saying you're stupid. It. Yeah. You know, I guess I did say they were stupid a little you gotta bit. Have, you well, you got to <laughs> have a sense of humor about religion or about uh, ufology or any of this well, stuff. Well, humor's not a, a big supply right now, particularly when yeah. people's belief systems are involved. You know, if people believe that, you know, Xenu's in the volcano sure. or... You know, or he who should not be named doesn't want you to do that then. And, or, or if Jesus wants you to have a certain type of dietary thing. Like, I, who in their right mind would even believe that would be a thing? Well, you know, what you I've know. always had a problem with is like, you know, those who, who study dogma. I mean, the Bible is just filled with miraculous supernatural events. And then you get into uh, modern times, contemporary. Well, none of that happens today. You know, and it's like, well, you're not looking at what's happening today. Why can't uh, why can't an abduction uh, that changes somebody's life be a miracle? Or why mm. can't uh, the the presence of a Bigfoot be uh, some sort of a, a wonderful love story? Yeah. Or okay, or, but you yeah, know, or, I mean. Or something like that. I'm writing that, some new know? fan fiction. <laughs> I need some pointers. But Fifty pe- Shades of Fur. <laughs> <laughs> the most dogmatic people are closed off to everyday miracles, if you want to call them that, or or, or paranormal uh, events. Um, you know, I don't think there's a too distinguishing line between what a miracle might be or what uh, or or a paranormal event might be. I think there's well, I think commonalities. It, it becomes semantics then. Sure, but I think what what's 
uh, was interesting about people who adhere to, you know, let's take an example from Christianity because it's the one I know best. Sure. Transubstantiation, right? The giant fight that occurred. Millions of people died over this particular argument. The biscuit and the wine in communion either turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ or they represent, represent. the body of, and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you now, I've had the I've said this to to buddies of mine who are Catholics. They said, "You believe that that biscuit and that blood turns into Jesus Christ?" And they're like, "No, right. going, Well, and then you don't believe in the mystery of the well, communion. Right. And you know what? And that's why it's not the body and the blood of Christ. You know, because listen, your belief um, has a tendency to create what that is. You know, I, right? I, if it's if it's the uh, the biscuit and the and the and the and the wine, you know, it's a symbol. It's a gesture. It's also a metaphor. It doesn't mean anything, but it's at the same time. But but, but it means everything. It's not a symbol or a gesture. See, you would have been on the fucking rack with that talk. Yeah. Because it's not a symbol and a gesture. It's an absolute, literal truth that this biscuit and this wine turns into the body and blood of Christ. And if you don't accept that, you're damned to eternal eternal pain and suffering. Yeah. Well, that's... By a God who loves you. And I've seen... (laughs) Yeah. By a God who loves you very, very much. But I I tend to look it, it all comes back to intention, right? It's is this biscuit? <laughs> the, the, I'm just picturing like a big old buttered like yeah. biscuit <laughs> and uh, wine. Is this the flesh and blood of Christ? It is, if, and I think this is what Bryce was trying to get at. It's like it is if that's my intention for it to be. And then once it takes my intention to transform it into the well, literal. Well, that's right. No, yeah. you would also. I know burned, that I you're know. also a burning heretic because yes. your intention has no impact. Exactly. On this. But, See, that, what, but I'm what the church says in the Middle Ages is. You are meaningless. That's right. Mm-hmm. Your point of view is meaningless. You either accept this dogma or you are damned. Well, and to talk to God, you need mm-hmm. to do it through the saints. You can't do it on your own. So for you to be able to, like, you know, take that yeah, wafer yeah. And, 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 that, and that blood, they're saying, yeah, this is just a symbol for you because it cannot actually represent, you know, because you cannot demigod yourself. You know, you're just, you're just a human. And if you want to talk to the higher uppers, you got to do it through the saints, you know? I think I don't know enough about it. I I don't know enough about Catholicism. I believe that Saint God will listen to your prayer if you're in a state of grace. Mm. But um, otherwise, you got to go through the priest. You, gotta, yeah, you need a medium. Uh, yeah, yeah. All I right. think that, or I, I'm not entirely sure, and I feel I'd be doing a misservice to Catholics. Well, and I think that's what's closed <laughs> us off because which is not my intent. They've had yeah. a fair shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys, we have to move on to yes. our next uh, segment of high strangeness, and when we come back. We're going to have a story that kicks off with a very famous saint that we've already mentioned Yeah, that's right. Uh, So uh, we'll be right back with our podcast, None Your Business. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
MyPatriotSupply.com. And we're back, and it's time for High Strangeness. Now, I was worried that this topic might be a little on the nose, given <laughs> our guest, but this is a big hitter. This is a heavy hitter that we have not done on the show yet. Okay. So today, we are talking about the one and only Loch Ness Monster. Ah, beautiful. All yeah. right. The Loch Ness Monster is a type of cryptid, an aquatic one, uh, that is found in Loch Ness, Scotland, and the first modern sighting took place in 1933. Now, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, or Nessie, as she's come to be known, is a large aquatic creature that is believed by many to inhabit a massive, dark, and murky lake in the Scottish Highlands called Loch Ness. Traditionally, Nessie is depicted as a dragon-like creature, most commonly the plesiosaur, an aquatic dinosaur that first made an appearance 203 million years ago during the Triassic Age. Now, though this is a traditional image of Nessie, some recent theories have pegged the creature, if it exists at all, to be a large catfish, a squid, sturgeon, eel, or even a supernatural creature known as a kelpie. Hmm. Do you know about the kelpies? I know about the kelpies, yeah. Yes. Did you get a lot of Kelpie tales as a child? Well, the, it's part of the deal. You know, you grew up in Scotland. <laughs> right, now gather round, gather round the warm it's potato, everybody. It's Kelpie story time. It's like Saturday Night Live in Scotland. Kelpie, Kelpie. And, it's like, and now it's Kelpie story time. <laughs> so a little information on Loch Ness. A lot of people, when they hear the story, but they're like, why can't they find this giant dinosaur in a lake? Mm-hmm. Well, Loch Ness is nearly 22 miles long and nearly two miles wide, wide and reaches depths of 745 feet deep. It is a freshwater lake filled with peat, which makes it very murky, dark, and difficult to see large underwater creatures that might be hiding beneath its waters. In other words, it's the perfect setting for a mystery. Yeah. Now, the earliest encounter. I don't know if you know. Do you know too much about Loch Ness? Yeah, Columba. Yeah, uh, yeah St. Columbus. Columba. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, St. Columba, um, the Irish monk, he was in fifth, uh, 565 A.D., Uh, According to legend, St. Columba was traveling with his men by the River Ness when they came upon locals bearing a corpse of a man who they claimed had been dragged into the waters by this wicked, awful beast. And uh, Columba commanded one of his men to go swimming and lure the beast out as as the man is bait. I'd like to do it, uh, Columba, (laughs) but I've actually got got a gash on my leg. I'm a bit afraid of Why don't you ask Ronnie? Ronnie can do it. Ronnie, get over here. I can't swim. I can't swim. I can't swim, sir. That's all right, Ronnie. You don't need to swim. (laughs) You just need to sit there and wait for the monster to bite you. I'm I'm renowned. My family are totally not delicious. Say, Columba, I can float. All right, you go in. <laughs> so, uh, Columba, uh, apparently imbued with super Christian powers, went, uh, the, when the beast came out of the water to get his man, he went full Gandalf and performed the sign of the cross mm. and commanded the creature to go no further, do not touch the man, go back at once. And the monster was yielded by an invisible force that dragged it back into the waters. Right. God won. Dinosaur Zero. <laughs> I mean, we, and we laugh at this now, but centuries later, the supernatural elements of the origin story can still be found in modern uh, Nessie mythology. So, modern era kicks off in 1933. 
Uh, Nessie returned officially. Coincidentally, yeah, Hitler, Hitler comes to power. Well, Ooh. and also, we'll find out later, There's there had been, in the decades leading up to this, a certain uh, creep, famous creep, by the name of Aleister Crowley. Oh, yeah. Conducting sure. some black magic in, yes. between, uh, in the, the shores of Loch Ness. Yeah, in uh, uh, Bolskin House. Um, so... Uh, this okay. So in the 1930s is the beginning of the golden age of Nessie that we kind of were probably I think coming out of. But when we were kids growing up, that was like Nessie. You know, was really big in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and and a little bit into the 80s. Um, this uh, the age of Nessie. Uh, it spurred tourism, speculation, and a generation of cryptozoologists and Nessie hunters to to, to drop everything and hunt the last remaining dinosaur. Now, why the 1930s? Why was this all possible? Well, the answer is simple. Infrastructure. Uh, roads started to be paved and uh, uh, built alongside the lake. So with more motorists and more tourists, you got more sightings of the creature in the lake. So on April 14, 1933, hotel manager Aldi McKay was driving alongside the lock on the way to Inverness with her husband. And as they approached, um, now you're going to have to, I think it's Alduri Castle, is that the correct pronunciation? A L D A L D O U R I E. Aldery Castle. A L D O U R I E. Aldery. Aldery. It sounds like that. Aldery yeah. Castle. She saw something emerge from the waters that was black, wet, and with water rolling off of it. And according to McKay, the creature went in a circle round and down, and then she shouted to her husband, who was driving, Stop the beast! Prob- Stop the beast! <laughs> the beast! Oh, no. <laughs> Probably referring to the water beast of St. Columba. Mm. And then shortly after that, on May 2nd, boatman Alex Campbell, and a part who was also a part-time reporter. That's a good job. You're a boatman and a part-time reporter <laughs> right. for the Inverness Courier. It's like, yeah, it's like these people that have those jobs on CBS every fall. <laughs> Ballerina detective. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Boatman reporter. Yeah, boatman reporter, guys. That would make a great show. Um, he reported her Aldi story, and that uh, report on May 2nd was the first known usage of the term Loch Ness Monster. That's who coined the frame monster. Then on July 2nd, things started to really go crazy. People started seeing more and more. Uh, uh, there were more and more sightings of Nessie. On July 2nd, this is one of my favorites. I heard this as a kid. George Spicer and his wife were driving down the road alongside the lake when a large, humpbacked creature with a long, undulating neck, thicker than an elephant's trunk, they said, scooted across the road and went rolling and plunging into the lake. Yeah. These are my favorite sightings of, I mean, uh, reports of Nessie. Not the ones from the lake, but actual, like, crossing a dirt road. It's funny mm. because a lot of these in the early the early sightings, there are a lot of it. He's just hanging out in the in the woods by the lake. and Because there was another one on August, in August of 1933, a motorcyclist named Arthur Grant, who claimed to almost hit the creature on yeah. his motorcycle, and again saw it. Uh, well, and he was a veterinarian. So, yeah, he was I a mean, veterinarian student. And, and a detective? And, uh, uh, and part-time uh, detective, yeah, of, yeah, course, yeah. of course. Actually, he, oddly, he was a veterinarian student part-time boatman oh okay <laughs> uh, whatever yeah, whatever yeah. happens i mean look you can do it any way you want he he described it as being somewhat of a cross between a plesiosaur and an otter or a seal here's his sketch greg okay oh that, i have that right here wow that looks like a is. cross between a plesiosaur and an yeah, otter there he is yeah. Right there. Seal. yeah you can see him uh, and a lot of it, some of the skeptics at the time they thought maybe he had just seen a very large otter 
Right. Uh, but but all these orders com- are about the size of a Yorkshire yeah, Terrier. Yeah, I know. That's that, that the would thing. have to be a fucking large order. Uh, uh. Really big. Okay, so then in 1930, uh, continuing with 1933, we get the first photograph. And it's the Hugh Gray photo. Now, let me see if I have it here. Hugh Gray. Is that the was, one with the kind of like the neck sticking um, up? Yeah, I, th- I think no, I know this the one. one. Actually, it's I don't have it with me right here, but um, it's a photo of what looks like an eel in the water. Maybe an eel, and it might be an eel. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was walking along uh, the the lock when he s- claimed to see the creature um, breach the surface of the lake, and he captured the first Nessie photograph ever. And skeptics claim that the image of the, it looked like an eel-like creature, uh, but it looked more like Gray's Labrador swimming towards him with a stick in his mouth. And the, the dog's head is very blurry. And we'll put it's this It's the same up. thing. One or the other. Uh, it had to be one odd. or the other. I have Sometimes all when these... I see my dogs with sticks in their mouth, I go, wait, is that a pleasure? Oh, <laughs> just, I can't believe I, I, I left that one out, but yeah. uh, we'll put it up on our um, Instagram and you'll be able to see it. Uh, so... All this stuff was going on. The Daily Mail hired a big game hunter with the very best, trustworthy best publication. Na- yeah, yeah, even yeah. back then. And his name, this they got a big game hunter to hunt down Nessie, and his name was Marmaduke Weatherell. Yeah, my name is Marmaduke <laughs> Weatherell, and I will find this creature and shoot him. I'll shoot find him. your Nessie. Uh, wait a minute, that's a, oh, it's just a I'll dog with a stick in his mouth. <laughs> so he he quit said, throwing I'm, that dog a stick. <laughs> oh, please, yes, oh, oh sorry, it's just Marmaduke, a quit shooting all of these dogs. <laughs> he found what he claimed were Nessie tracks and made a cast, but w- upon examined by the Natural History Museum, they said that they were mo- more likely withered hippos' feet. That were used as umbrella stands back in the 30s. I love which that. Is, Put on your hippo shoes and we'll cause a great hoax. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just sidebar human beings are terrible. Yes, terrible they creatures. are. They are awful. Um, but Marmaduke but came To up, be honest, though, yeah. if hippos had their chance, <laughs> they'd true. fuck you they, up as they well. Are, oh, yeah. They are nasty. Yeah, they are super nasty. Yeah. It's true. And very racist. Yeah. Uh, Marmaduke was fired by the paper and humiliated by the exposure. But This he, is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Well, he might have gone on to get his revenge because in 1934... The f- most famous photo, the surgeon's photo, was taken. And this is the oh, surgeon's yes, photo. Oh, yes, that one, yeah. The most iconic Nessie photo arrived in 1934 and was allegedly taken by Colonel Robert Wilson, a gynecologist who snapped the silhouette of Nessie. Gynecologist? Yep. Yeah. And, and detective. A yeah. And <laughs> boatman. I suppose uh, a gynecologist is a sort yeah, of detective. It is. It's a bit. Let's have a look at what's in here, young lady. <laughs> it's a dog with a stick. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not. What Put is on it your dear oh, stocking cap. I shall name him Clitoris. <laughs> here, boy. The butler did it. <laughs> The famous picture was hotly debated uh, for over 60 years. Some people claimed that it was an elephant's trunk emerging from the water. And here's here's an example of how that might work. See, there's okay. an elephant. Now, how the elephant got in the lake yeah. and is swimming around. How That's got a lot harder to That's explain a, than yeah, Nessie. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, or a bird or an otter's tail Excuse diving. Excuse me, I'm from the circus. We've lost one of our elephants. You haven't seen him around here, boy. Any chance of No, nah, no, nah, we've only got swimming dogs, and oh, that's right. like... Here, throw a stick for that dog, just in case. <laughs> 
Uh, and But in 1999, a book called Nessie, The Surgeon's Photo Exposed, written by David M. Martin and Alistair Boyd, proved that the photo was a hoax. Mm. The monster was created using a toy submarine and a fake uh, little cutout creature on top. And the book goes on to claim that the hoax was possibly orchestrated by Marmaduke Weatherell as revenge. Oh. Yes. And he passed it on to Robert Wilson for credit and publication. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Revenge yes. is mine. Now. Now I can take off my hippo shoes. <laughs> uh, sightings continue sporadically. For the next couple of decades, and then we get in 1955, we get the McNabb photo, which let's see if I have here. I just had it up on. Oh, here I've got it right here. Let me show it to you. The McNabb photo. Yeah, and while I'm getting that, uh, we'll talk about this. I, I have a uh, a character I want you to read. Here's a quote from Peter McNabb about his capturing Nessie next to the. Uh, the here is McNabb's account. Yeah. I was returning from a holiday in the north with my son and pulled the car up on the road just above Urquhart Castle. It was a calm, warm, hazy afternoon. I was all ready to take a shot of Urquhart Castle when my attention was held by a movement in the calm water over to the left. Naturally, I thought of the monster and hurriedly changed over the standard lens of my Exacta 127 camera to a six-inch telephoto. As I was doing so, a quick glance showed that some black or dark enormous water creature was cruising on the surface. Without a tripod and in a great hurry, I took the shot. I also have a very quick shot with another camera, a fixed-focus Kodak, before the creature submerged. Wow. My son was busy under the bonnet of the car at the time. Dad, I'm just working on the engine. (laughs) And when he looked in response to my shouts, they were just... Nipples in the water. Sorry, ripples in the water. (laughs) Several cars and a bus stopped, but they could see nothing and listened to my description with patent disbelief. Ooh. And is this the photo? This is the photo here. It's got the Urquhart Castle and the humpback. That's a pretty interesting photo. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's not been, there's been debate about it, but so far it has not been uh, proven to be a hoax. Uh, Now, in the 60s and 70s, sonar expeditions became popular, often uh, pinging large masses swimming beneath the deep waters, but no substantial evidence and certainly no proof of the creature existing turned up. However, on uh, 1972, we got uh, a series of flipper photos. Flipper photos were captured during an expedition conducted by American lawyer and inventor Robert Rines. Now, we don't have enough time to get into Robert Rines, but this guy, he was a super interesting guy. He's worth a Google if you want to go look at his life story. I mean, he created a lot of really interesting inventions and devoted his uh, was a lawyer and then devoted his time to like hunting Nessie. He's a really real renaissance man. Using underwater strobe-like cameras in conjunction with sonar equipment, Rhines aimed to get a clear underwater photo of the monster and managed to return with the compelling close-up image of what appears to be a plesiosaur-like fin in close-up. Could it be a dog with a stick in his mouth? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Same thing. Turns out these are all just dogs with sticks in their mouths. Yes. Um, I was uh, haphazardly preloading a lot of these photos, so I also printed them out. But nice. here's the flipper photo right here. I mean, that looks like a plesiosaur fin to me. It could also be a fish. It, but it, that it also looks, a li- to be honest, a little bit like a sonogram. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultrasound. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, <clears throat> now, modern photos. In 2015, Apple Maps captured a satellite image of what looks like a giant catfish-like creature swimming just below the surface. However, skeptics believe that the image simply captured the washout image of a boat and its wake moving across the lake. However, lifelong Nessie researcher Steve Feltham has independently come to the conclusion that the Loch Ness Monster is probably some type of large Wells catfish. Perhaps the best modern photo and video that supports the existence of Nessie comes from tourist David Elder, who captured a massive creature swimming along the surface uh, in, uh, what year was this? Uh, I think it was 2013. The photo shows a clear, undoctored image of a large, undulating mass that the video tracks, uh, and the video tracks the creature moving along the lock for nearly a minute before disappearing into the water. Now, I don't have it here, but it's very similar to that image we saw next to Urca Castle. It's just this black mass just breaching the water, and he tracks it for a minute as it swims across. Um, so, and they have a video of it, and a lot of people think that he really got the, the it's the best photographic or video uh, of of the creature on record to date. Now, let's talk real quick about Nessie and the mystical world. Ever since her first recorded appearance in 50, uh, 565, an underlying supernatural thread has followed Nessie in her wake. Can I just yeah. interrupt you just a second? Would you say the yeah. first recorded uh, appearance was in 565? Well, that is... that is. Um, but to be fair, that's most recorded things. Y- this is true. There's there's probably well, a lot before Actually, I think uh, it was not written about until I think Adamin or Adamin wrote the St. Columba biography right. about 100 years later, so around 16 or 660. And so that story that happened to St. Columba supposedly happened a hundred years previous right. to when it had first been written. So obviously there was an oral tradition. But most people point to the St. Columba as, as the being beginning, the beginning. Right. If we can look back, we know that the, the saint saw something in the water, supposedly. So we mentioned this previously. In 1889, the notorious magician, uh, the wizard kind, a- alchemist and uh, occultist Aleister Crowley, a fascinating figure that deserves his own episode. Sure. Bought Bullskin House in Loch Ness to perform a six-month ritual with the goal of summoning the Lord of Darkness, which he would compel to do good, the end result being Crowley's contact with his higher self or holy guardian angel. Can I stop you just a yeah. second? It's just a, a point of order in the Lord of Darkness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a, a tiny thing. Right. Uh, the Lord of Darkness is, uh, well, he's kind of the Lord of Darkness, <laughs> and so compelling him to do good, he'll say. Now, look, to hey, be man. fair, uh, imagine you're Alistair Crowley compelling yeah. me to do good, and I'm the Lord of Darkness. Go on, yeah, go yeah. on, go on, compel me. Uh, Lord of Darkness. Yes? I would like it if you would help me... Uh, Deliver some of these letters. Absolutely. Love to. Where would you like them delivered to? <laughs> well, that was easy. Yes. <laughs> and now when I go out here delivering these letters, I won't get up to anything naughty. You can trust me. Well, well I'm hold the on Lord a minute. Of what? <laughs> There's also a sick old lady that we need to deliver some hot soup to. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. Come All on, right, let's great. get some soup this over there. good. I'm talking to my higher self. Yeah, you'll be f- everything's going to be great. <laughs> oh, by the way, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? You can't tell the Lord of Darkness. Yeah, it's like I'm going to I'm going to summon something much more powerful than me yeah. to do my bidding. Crowley, basically, he wanted to overpower the devil. That I, was like his I love whole the, goal. I love the six-month ritual. I can't even spend six months going to the gym consecutively. Well, this like... is before Twitter and <laughs> social yeah. media. Now you would just, like, tweet, you know, devil come up, hashtag LOL right. or something. Yeah. Like. Well, uh, Crowley... 
claimed to have achieved his goal, uh, but not without leaving really bad vibes around Bolskin House. And the, uh, the owners that followed, including Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, all reported weird, creepy phenomena happening in there, a lot of um, illness and death surrounding family members and weird animal stuff happening on their property. Strange. So it was really creepy. Um, and the summoning of this dark lord, uh, some people think that Crowley might have brought back that creature that St. Columba cast back into the lake during the process of these rituals and that the Loch Ness Monster is a result of these black uh, magic rituals that were taking place by Aleister Crowley. Now, I think it's a stretch, but it's fun to think about. Yeah, I've never heard of that that uh, linkage, but I think that's pretty yeah. fascinating. Have you ever been to Loch Ness? No. Uh, here's the thing about Loch Ness. It, it, like, the, the monster thing, look, you can go anywhere. You can go to Lake Winnipeg and there's, you know, Winnie the monster there. You can go to any large body we of water. We got Lake Champ here. Yeah, right, Champ, Lake Champlain Champ, yeah. and Champy. There's... Any large body of water where humans congregate, <laughs> there's a monster. Right, yeah. right. But the difference I always thought with Loch Ness is this, is that when you go to Loch Ness, it's very, very strange. Also, I believe in that valley there is the oldest recorded piece of earth mm. on earth. It's very, like when uh, the uh, Pangea was mm -hmm. moving, um, this is, it's traceable to that part. The, 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 I'm as happy to be, look, I, look, is it, is it a monster swimming around or a dog with a stick in his mouth? No, of course it's not. But if you go to, um, if you go to strange places and, uh, keep an open mind or not even, mm -hmm. make um, sure to pack your Raven magic. Yeah. Well, yeah. all I'm saying is this, if you are so comfortable that nothing exists, spend the night in the murder house. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just as simple as that. If, 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 if the fear doesn't, if none of this can touch you, then by all means sleep in the graveyard. <laughs> why, why wouldn't it be a problem yeah. for yeah. you? It's all garbage anyway, right? Uh, yeah, but it's just creepy. Well, it's creepy because creepy is a thing. Yeah. Creepy you is know. an energy. You know, that, right. that reminds me of uh, the old Bloody Mary thing, saying it three times in the I never had the guts to do no, it because no. I just didn't want to tempt Or Candyman. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. I didn't yeah. want to tempt Oddly. it. Well, all of these things are, are the things of the, the monster by the, the body of water. Mm -hmm. Look, remember... Uh, Stephen Hawking said uh, in, uh, I, I think, in A Brief History of Time, he says, nothing can come, ever come out of a black hole. That's the truth. Nothing can ever come out of a black hole. I have looked at this. I'm the greatest uh, you know, physics chap in the world, and nothing can ever come out of a black hole. And you cut to about 25 years later, and some radio waves come out of a black hole. Yeah. And, and Stephen Hawking says, to his credit, yeah, I'm going to have to look at this. Rethink this. I'm going to yeah. have to rethink this because something came out of a black hole. It is an utter nonsense. to us, And every society on Earth has made this mistake. Well, we know everything now. Yeah. You know, well, now we know that rubbing dog shit in the eyes of blind people cures them. We're going, everything's going to be great. Now we know the biscuit turns into Jesus. Everything's going to be great. Now we've got computers. Everything's going to be great. Why? Now this iPhone. Now we know. And it is, it's an utter arrogance and a foolish. And a disservice. Well, what it is, is if you take another saint, take St. Augustine in the Christian mythology, a checkered uh, history at best. <laughs> but he did say. He likes to play chess. Yeah, there was that. 
But he he did say something which I think has great pertinence. And wh- whether he's wrong about how to play with you know and yeah um, about playing chess, he did say something which I think is very interesting. He said trying to understand the mind of God is like trying to pour the ocean into a cup. Mm. It's not possible. It doesn't fit. Mm. Now I think that I think with humans and human experience, of course, knowledge is better than it was. But I think that we are maybe now approaching being the tallest midgets in a 5,000 light year radius. And that's mm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, what I feel now, is I, I embrace science, I love science, but the most scientific thing that one could say is, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they've re- they pretty much damned themselves, haven't they? I mean, I, mean sci- I, I always felt like, you know, the paranormal or whatever's happening out there is, is the big fuck you to science. It's saying, you know, what is this, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, Albert Einstein said imagination is more important than knowledge. And, he was a scientist. Yeah. I, think, I think genuine science says uh, abs- absolutely no idea inconclusive. What science does not do is uh, put a period on the end of it right uh, but what but you know i don't think i don't think para, people who believe in the paranormal are saying fuck you to science are you saying that we're scientists i'm saying that you embrace the scientific uh, scientific philosophy you if have not to. method yeah, <laughs> yeah. if not, yeah, method, yeah, right? not method it's not the scientific method but it's scientific in its philosophical approach which is yeah. i i don't know yeah. i don't know what that is yeah, well, yeah. which i think is okay yeah, well, it's examining evidence with your common senses and, and coming up with a hypothesis, right? So, but if, right. You, if you ignore your senses and you just chalk it up to then you're, you're crazy, right. then it's meaningless. Then and, your and, life is meaningless. And that is the contemporary view of everything paranormal today. It's just you're crazy. You didn't see what you think you see. It was a hallucination but of the mind. I will say this, uh, and I think this is important to remember. Um, about uh, 10 years ago, I learned to fly airplanes. And part of what you do when you learn to fly airplanes is you learn to fly them by instruments only, only by science, not by how you feel. Hmm. It's very important. No raven power. No raven power. No right. raven power. The, the I F- think it would come in handy. The, no, the, to fly F- the FAA are absolutely like the paranormal is not a good way to go when scheduling a You got flight. one of those little bouncing ravens like the hula yeah, girl on your That's deck. right. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If you... In the course of learning that, they put on... Uh, you know, you get yourself covered. They put a hood on you, basically. And you try, and the instructor will say, fly the plane straight and level by how it feels. And you'll see how you feel at the end of that, just to get an idea. So you go to altitude and you fly the plane and you could swear to God, you're flying the plane straight and level. But you have no senses. You have not got the sense of sight that you use so much, which is how you would be in a cloud bank, right? Sure. You don't have visibility. And as you go along, Invariably, what you'll do is you'll put the plane in what's called a graveyard spiral. Right, I've which heard is about what this. John F. Kennedy uh, Jr. Yeah. killed himself and his passengers with. Which, by the way, I was on uh, Martha's Vineyard the day that happened. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's driving down to the beach. Cops' cars turned us around. They're like, yeah. "Stuff's washing up on shore. You can't come down here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, you know, feeling that you know I got this. I could, I, I, I'd be able to use handle. my senses. But had he? Here's the thing. Had he used the science on that plane, that plane that he's in has got a perfectly good autopilot. It's a big button. It's got AP on it. You press it, and that will fly the plane straight and level until you figure things out. So I don't believe in discounting science. I think that's absurd. I agree. I I also don't believe in any hostility between a scientific community and a a community of people who say, "I I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I'd like to think. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with I'd like to think anything. There's nothing wrong with mystery. Science that's right. Mystery. That's our sweet spot. That's right. where we that's sit. It, We're right, right there. So there you are. Well, uh, obviously, we don't know what the hell this thing was, and we can't answer the question. But uh, I'll leave you with this, um, these final two thoughts on, on Nessie. Anthony Shields, who is a psychic and magician. Do you know who Anthony Shields is? He's like a big performance artist in the UK. He's sort of yeah. a weird figure. I, he, I think he was in the 70s and 80s. But he claimed to have summoned the creature out of the water and captured the color image uh, that we see here. Uh, that's sometimes referred to as the Muppet photo because it looks like a, a smiling camera. Now, yeah. Shields' theory is that the creature, uh, the, that Nessie, is some type of hypothetical elephant squid, which is on the right, that mm. he's just made up, and that the neck and face <laughs> seen in this photo is actually a periscopic appendage with a single eyeball. Okay. Which is strange. Yeah. And then finally, in his book, Nessie, which I have purchased uh, this weekend but have not gotten around to read, author Nick Redfern offers the compelling theory that Nessie is not a flesh-and-blood creature at all, but some type of uh, mystical being known as the Kelpie, who we mentioned earlier. The Kelpie being a shape-shifting water horse uh, from Scottish folklore, which could explain Nessie's inconsistent appearances and mind-numbingly frustrating Here's what I think. I'll tell you what I I like about I think that Loch Ness is a door. Yeah, we love this. And that's all it is. Yeah. That's it, and I think Nessie is, I think the sightings are what they are, and I think Loch Ness is a door. There are other doors. There's a door uh, on Franklin just at the north end of Hollywood that I saw a crow come through. Yep. And there are doors that all those butterflies get to Mexico through. You know that door? What? Yeah, the monarch butterflies, yeah. well, they all go to the same place in Mexico. They can't, you can't get there at two miles an hour. But it's yeah, a they large all... migration all from North America right. to uh, right. Mexico. Right, they just use the door. Yeah. yeah, They just use the door. Yeah, yeah. It's, There are doors. Like, yeah. if, if you you know, you know see the movie Inception, when they talk about mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. pure physics, about bending the universe and going through the doors. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what Loch Ness is. It's a door. Love it. Great, great. Love it so much. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, we're going to finish up the show with our Collector's Corner. Ah. Hey, everyone. This is Riley. The guys have been abducted by aliens, so I have to be the one to remind you that we're launching our Patreon campaign on March 28th. $5 a month will get you access to bonus episodes, exclusive posts, and more. We appreciate any support you can throw us. And don't worry, the show you've come to know and love will always remain free to download. So on behalf of the last Earthbound member of the Bigfoot Collectors Club, I want to say thank you for listening. I'm going out on the porch now to watch the skies for those pesky space goblins. And we're back. It's time for Collectors Corner. (laughs) That's how we do it. (laughs) Uh, is it? Would it be uh, vulgar if I was to show you my hippo feet? Oh, no, uh, yeah, no. No, I understand why you're like, so defensive. It's a, it's a condition I have, <laughs> hippo feet. It, it, it's just from not drying yourself properly. You after know, Bryce it. has got one of those right yeah, now. Yeah, that's yeah, I right. really do. Uh, um, uh, Craig, do you collect anything? Uh, Emmys. That's uh, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, no, no, not really. Yeah, no, I know. I don't, I don't. That was such a douchebag. Well, no, no it's, awesome. it's great. We uh, <laughs> since we are the Bigfoot Collectors Club, we we uh, Bryce and I are both uh, we collect uh, comics and some Star Wars uh, paraphernalia. 
But yeah. uh, Bryce, you had a collectible that you were bringing in today. Yeah, I did. And so this is our this show is, and tell portion, Craig. This is okay. the show and, t- and you know, this is a little on the nose too. But uh, you know, uh, this is a it's just a, a signed autograph from a, a cryptid artist named Thomas Finley. Uh, Thomas Finley out of London, and he did a sculpture of uh, the Green Man. Are you familiar with the Green Man? I've heard tale of it. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. like a yeah. gentle garden creature. Well, yeah. So the Green Man is is before Christendom and and all that stuff, and it, and it goes back. Um, a long time, and the Green Man is basically a, a um, sort of a, a mythological nature representation of uh, that man came from nature, and uh, you'll see these a lot of in sculptures and churches and and stuff like that. But and you'll also see like foliage coming out of the nose and the mouth, and um, very interesting. But yeah, this is a uh, he's sort of like Swamp Thing. Do you know about yeah. Swamp, yeah, swamp Thing? Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. sort of the DC Comics take on Green Man. He's all the green, powerful growth, yeah. nature, spirit. Are you saying I've got a maybe a case to sue DC Comics you for might. Yeah, cultural appropriation? <laughs> you might. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But he's sort of like a plant Sasquatch. Yeah. is really what he is. Plant-based Sasquatch. Long okay. associations can Vegan be found. Vegan Bigfoot. In, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah exactly. <laughs> basically, exactly. Uh, Veggie Foot. Yeah. Long associations can be found in ancient folklore about the green man and the wood woes, wood, woodoo, and being wasa from the verb uh, wesson, to be alive. That's also Woden, who's Odin from Norse mythology. Yeah. And then, whoa, dude, yeah. uh, <laughs> in uh, early Keanu Reeves' work. That's right. The All face of the green plants. man appears to show full. A lot of green plant. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for bringing that in. Yeah. Uh, we cannot thank you enough, Craig, for inviting us into your home with. Uh, the, Here's through the your thing. doorway. Here's the weird thing. I don't live here. We we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I don't know whose place this is. That's but great. Well, yeah, those are not Miami's. Good thing we're wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Grab them on the way out. Yeah. We'll add them to your collection. Uh, Craig, uh, now we're, we're not going to plug anything. No. But are you on Twitter or anything? Can people follow you? No, I stopped doing you? that. You're doing too. that. You're all yeah, off yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I doing that. All right. Well, Tomas is on my account, though. If you, oh, you great. If you want to. Tweet my uh, my Twitter account and talk to Tomas. You Great, can, you I love Tomas. He's wonderful to talk to. Yeah, but I I don't do it anymore. Okay, f- fair enough. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yes. Uh, you guys, thank you for listening. We are so happy about uh, the the sh- the the show and our audience, and we we're gaining listeners every week, and we're having so much fun doing it. Uh, make sure to follow us on Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram and Facebook and the Twitters, and we'll keep you posted. And uh, I'll put up some links on our show notes to all these photos and articles on Loch Ness and more. Until next week, uh, goodbye out goodbye. there. Yes, Go look for your God. own door. Find and your own door. Find your own door. Remember, Stick if you come across mouth. Sasquatch in the woods, it's none of your goddamn business. There you go. <laughs> Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking... 
Why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.